Good morning, Connection Point Church. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you very much. Uh, we do have a 12 o'clock Cowboy game, so yes, I am aware of that. Uh, and uh, I want to go ahead and say, um, if you will, take out your phones right now. Uh, we are going to be in the Word of God today, but uh, if you have a Bible that looks like this, that's great. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 4. But if you did not bring your Bible uh, a hard copy, you can always pull out your phones. You can go to connectionpoint.life. If you go to connectionpoint.life, you will find everything about the inner workings of this church, but you can go to the sermon notes card, and on that card, you will find all of the sermon notes for today um, of where we'll be going. And so, um, we are in the second week of a series called Technologically Challenged. We've been talking about uh, basically how technology has connected us so much, and in the the process of this, we are in an unusual time, and a time in which I think it's the hardest time to be a kid. I think it's also the hardest time to be an adult in many ways because of the challenges we face. Specifically, it's very hard to be a Christ follower in a, in a world that's so connected, it's hard to connect with God. And so today we're going to uh, not, I'm not going to talk as much about technology, but I think that this topic uh, and this message today is applicable so much to technology. Um, I'm going to today talk about something that I have been burdened on for a while now. In fact, uh, when we got back from Peru, we went on a mission trip to Peru over the summer, and when we got back from Peru, I, I kind of was getting connected again in my, my neighborhood, and I heard that there was a, a family in our neighborhood that was going through just a, a big trial, and I heard that they, it's a single mom, she's going through a very hard time, and her, her son is one of my son's best friends, and my heart just kind of broke for what they were going through. Now, whenever I hear of somebody's problem, I don't know if this is because I'm a pastor or just my personality, when I hear of somebody's problems, my first thing is, how can I fix their problem? How can I sit them down? And I begin to hear about the struggles that this family was going through, and immediately in my mind thought, you know what, we could create a plan. I could walk them through this. I could, I could help them fix this. And then I realized, anytime you're dealing with people, it's never as simple as just, here's a See, in fact, if it were that simple, I would have tried it with my family and it would have worked to a T. But instead, I began to just pray, God, what should I do in this situation? I felt burdened. I felt as if I needed to do something, uh, maybe not for the entire family, but if my, my heart was drawn to this kid whose father is not in the picture, who is what I see as a crossroad, and he doesn't see it. He can't probably at his age see it, but I see this is a crossroads for this young man's life. And so I began to just pray about it, and I began to think, you know what, what do I do in my own family when I get to a crossroads like this? I will tell you, I don't sit down with my kids. I've got four kids. I don't sit down with them and say, now here's how we're going to plan out the rest of our life. And I'm a planner. I love to be planning how we're going to take things to the next level and all those things. But I don't do that with my kids because they fall asleep about three minutes into whatever I'm telling them. And so in my own kid's life, I have a different strategy, and that is I just show up. I just go wherever they are. I had a breakfast this past week with my son before school, and I just try to be there. I just try to talk to them, and I just try to model, hey, this is how I'm living out my life. And so I, I, I began to pray about this. I talked with my wife, and we decided, you know what, let's invite him to, to 
into some of our family activities. And so I, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this. I take jujitsu. Have I ever told anyone in here? Okay. Anyway, I invited him to come along with my son. And so I found over the last two months, now there are some times where uh, my own son does not uh, go with us because he's in football. He's tired sometimes. And so sometimes it'll just me, be me and his friend, and we will go and we'll have a blast and just have a time for just a respite from his life where I'm able to at least model and pour into him and at least be there. And I thought about this, about how God has changed my parenting style to be a lot less of planning, a lot less of fixing, and a lot more of just being present. And I realized that as I model this for my kids and for my family, hopefully, that really this is the way that God has also modeled us to follow him. And here is where I begin to get this burden, and that is when you read through the Bible, without a doubt, you'll begin to notice uh, that God often builds character in unusual ways for people in, in the Bible. And especially the people, when he does something incredible in somebody's life, he almost always takes them to a place before that to where they have to rely on him. And they call that the wilderness. And, and it's a very interesting thing. When I went to Israel in January, and I noticed something about just being there that I'd never noticed. Now, there are times when Jesus is led out into the wilderness and, and characters go out into the wilderness. We're going to talk about that today. But what I notice is every time you read in the Bible that Jesus went from Jerusalem to Jericho or Jesus went to Galilee, what you don't realize is what that means is Jesus actually, he didn't get in a car, he didn't take the subway, he didn't take an airplane, he walked through the wilderness. In fact, every single time that Jesus left Jerusalem, it always says he went down or he went up to Jerusalem or he went down from Jerusalem. And it's not talking about north-south, it's talking about Jerusalem is on a hill and surrounding Jerusalem is a wilderness, specifically on the west side. And I just began to notice that Every time Jesus would have walked somewhere, it would have been a time with no car radio, no time to, to really put in his, uh, his headphones and listen to his podcast. And it was a time of disconnection. It was a time of just being alone in the wilderness. It wasn't somewhere that Jesus just went once. It was somewhere that he was often. Every time he went to a new city, he spent time in the wilderness getting there and getting back. What concerns me is that we are losing the wilderness. In fact, we are in a, a generation to where when I was in Israel, I had pretty good 3G cell service. I had GPS in the Judean wilderness. In fact, if I wanted to, I could have ordered Amazon to deliver to a store in En Gedi in the middle, middle of the wilderness. I could have ordered, hey, I need you know, whatever I need. I need a book. I need socks, whatever I want. I could have ordered it. There's no place anymore that we are truly disconnected when it comes to our physical locality. And this burdens me because if God uses the wilderness to shape our character and we're losing the wilderness, then we're losing the primary place or one of the places in which God shapes our lives. One of the places into which we get totally alone and we can just be in the presence of God. And so today I want us to open our Bibles and find Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to look at 
Jesus' intentional journey into the wilderness, and we're only going to spend a few verses here, but I want to challenge us today to begin thinking about when do we enter into the wilderness? When do we intentionally disconnect from everything in this world so that we can connect with God? When do we make sure that we shape our future by making sure that we are in the presence of God? It's real easy to get away and to say, you know what, I'm going to to take care of all the details. But today I want to, to really focus on when do you get totally alone with God simply to experience the presence of God. So I'm going to give you, as uh, a good pastor would, three points, okay? Three points, three ways that God shapes us in the wilderness. And the first thing I want to show you is this, that the wilderness is a place of purpose. No one goes into the wilderness on accident, and no one comes out of the wilderness on accident. In fact, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He wasn't just wandering. In fact, he had just been baptized, and his baptism was basically the, the inauguration of his ministry. It was him saying, hey, I'm now going to focus on being a public minister. I'm going to have this public ministry. So he gets baptized to kind of kick it off. And when he, he does this, the first thing he does after saying, hey, I'm here to announce my presence to the world, the first thing he does is he listens to the Spirit of God, and the Spirit takes him to the wilderness. The Spirit tells him, you want to be public now, let's go get private, let's go to the wilderness. And he intentionally walks from the Jordan into the wilderness. Now, when I was thinking about this, uh, I, was, I was just shocked by, if you look, if you read the Bible with this wilderness experience, it's every single person that God grabs a hold of. In fact, the entire nation of Israel, they were in Egypt, and God is going to take them into the promised land, a place flowing with milk and honey, a place where they're going to have everything they want. And where does he take them before that? He takes them into the wilderness. And for 40 years, they have to rely on him and not themselves. Moses, the man that led them into the wilderness, you know what? His life can be broken into three sections, basically, three parts. This first section of his life, the first 40 years, he's a prince in Egypt, basically. And he is doing well. And then God is preparing him for something great. And so God pulls him into the wilderness for 40 years. He's in the wilderness. And then Moses kind of got the, the short straw because God puts him in the wilderness for 40 years. And then he says, I've got this great thing to do. You're going to lead these people back into the wilderness. And for 40 years, he leads the nation of Israel into the wilderness. Moses was prepared. But then you get to David. And do you know David, he slays Goliath. He's anointed king. And you know what he does after he's anointed king? He spends his time running into the wilderness trying to escape the current king. And he, he's basically in a place where he has to rely on God to protect him. The prophet Elijah. Elijah is about to go against King Ahab. He's going to have a lot of just incredible things happen to him. And before God ever sends him against the king, the first thing he says is, see, you need to go into the wilderness and you need to just sit there. And I'm going to take away all the food and all your water and you'll just trust me to feed you. And then a verse I want to actually show you in Luke chapter 1, 
we get to the New Testament, there's a man named John the Baptist. John the Baptist is going to announce Jesus. I was reading, and I've been thinking about this verse a lot lately. It's Luke chapter 1, verse 80. This is talking about John the Baptist. It says this. It says, The child kept growing and becoming strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Jesus, before his public appearance, he goes into the wilderness. In fact, you even see it with Paul. Before Paul goes and begins starting churches and preaches, he goes into the Arabian desert. He goes into the wilderness. One of the key ways that people are used by God and that lives are are saved and that God grabs a hold of people is getting them away from everything else, putting them in a place where they have to be alone with God. And all of these men go in to the desert on purpose. They were led there or they were driven there. They were led there or they were driven this. But they all come out on purpose as well. They all come out with a renewed experience, not one in which they have a clear picture of where they're going to be, everything, this is where my new job is going to be, this or that. They all come out with this new perspective that God can sustain them when everything else is gone. And that one thing is the purpose Some of us spend our lives looking for this nuanced purpose. But when you go into the wilderness and you're taken away from everything else and you say, at the very least, God will sustain me through whatever is coming next. Every one of these men come out with a clear purpose. Now, I'm going to ask this question after every point. When do you intentionally go into the wilderness? When do you go in not... Seeking, hey, I'm gonna, I've got 30 minutes, I'll, I'll go in and I'll listen to a podcast. But when do you disconnect so much that you can just simply say, I'm going to rely on God? And most of us would say, I don't have time. Well, what, you, what I would really encourage you to say is, it's not that you don't have time, it's that you don't have purpose. There's a book called The War of Art, and in that book he says something that, that caught my mind or caught my eye. Uh, actually, I was listening to it, it caught my ear. Um, and so the author says this. He's talking about this resistance that happens whenever you try to write a book. And he says, writing is not hard. Sitting down to write is hard. And I thought that's exactly how it is with the wilderness when we want to connect with God. Once we all love that place where we're connecting with God, when you're connecting with God and you see God moving in your life, that's easy. But it's hard to say, I'm going to disconnect I'm going to get away. I don't have time. I've got things I've got to do. I don't have time for this. And then the moment we say, I can't disconnect, I can't go, that's the time when we should disconnect. That's the time when we should seek God alone. The next thing I want to show you is that the wilderness is a place of purification. Now, I'm going to keep the P's going. So purification is a is a very clear one. It's a place of testing. You see, anytime we see someone who does something outstanding, whenever God uses someone in a great way, they've always gone through a place where they've had a lot stripped away. They've been purified, so to speak. And that's exactly what God does in the wilderness. I, I love the, this, this statement that has guided my life for the last few years. In fact, I went through a wilderness uh, experience a few years ago. I read a book, and the book was by an atheist. 
and it was the first time that I, I read a lot of books from a lot of different perspectives, but it was the first time I ever read a book from a, an atheist perspective that made me step back and think, wow, that's a lot of interesting points. That's a lot of challenging points. Most of the time I read books and it's, it, it, it's, it's not that challenging to me. I can see the bias of the person and I can see that they kind of have a, a hatred towards God or a hatred towards themselves or, or a reason that they're writing it. But this was a book that challenged me. And in fact, even while I was preaching, I began to, to just go in the wilderness and, and instead of trying to answer all of the questions, I began to just pray because I'd never had my faith challenged quite like this. And I came out with a, uh, I heard somewhere along the way that someone said that a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And in fact, since then, I've been on more, more on fire, more excited about God and his presence than I ever have, simply because I went through this time of testing. And in fact, anytime my kids come, in fact, uh, we had our first youth meeting this past week on Wednesday, and we're having another one this Wednesday. And I told them, one of the th comments I made is, you know what the number one question that I get asked when, by students or by adults? Like if I, anytime we have a series of, hey, ask the pastor anyway, or if you could have one question about the Bible, it's always the same question gets the, the number one thing. It's very deep. It's what about dinosaurs? That's always the number one question. I'll have that question more than any other question is what about dinosaurs? But you know what's interesting is that most of the reason that, that people ask that question or that kids ask that question is because it's not apparent in the Bible. And so there's this answer that we tend to just give to our kids of, hey, just believe the Bible. Just to believe the Bible. Don't dig into that too much. The dinosaurs may or may not have existed, but hey, we believe. And, and we don't let our kids dig in. We don't let them go into the wilderness. We don't let them go into this place where they really have to strip away a lot of their, their challenges and, and dig in to the presence of God. One of the best things I think you can do is go with your kids into the wilderness sometimes when they ask hard questions. And when you don't know the answer, go with them maybe without a fear of what's on the other side, but just that God is going to reveal himself when we dig in to the wilderness. Most of us, when we think about this idea of purification, or maybe you, you think about what would I do if I had a true wilderness experience like Jesus? Now, Jesus went and he fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights. Most of us, when we think, you know what, I need to get away. I need to get away. You don't immediately say, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to quit eating and I'm going to quit uh, drinking or whatever. I'm going to get away from everything. Instead, what most of us do is we get a list of restaurants, a nice hotel or whatever, and think, man, this would be my dream getaway. This would be my, my dream wilderness retreat is, you know, at a hotel, got nice restaurants and all that. And then I would just think through my goals and all of that. But I want to remind you that when we look at Jesus, it says he was led into the wilderness. When we get to the second point, look what it says. It says, after he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was famished. That's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. He didn't eat for 40 days, 40 nights, and the Bible tells us he was hungry, okay? And I always think that, huh, I would have never have guessed that. And then he says this, the tempter came and said, you are the son of God. Command these stones to become bread. In other words, that when the devil comes to tempt Jesus, he comes in his hunger and he, he, he appeals to his humanity. He says, okay, you've got this issue in front of you. You're hungry. Fix your problem. You have the power to fix it. You can fix it. Fix your problem. 
And this temptation, this purification is an appeal for Jesus to lean into his humanity and say, whatever problem comes my way, I can fix it in my humanity. But Jesus doesn't take the bait. In fact, in this purification, Jesus begins to, in that moment, trust God even more. It's not a planning retreat. It's a presence retreat. Most of us, when we think about getting away, when we think about getting alone, the number one thing we think about is how can we maybe fix our problems? How can we plan our future? Maybe we can think of a new morning routine. Maybe we can think of some steps that will get us there. Instead, every time we see someone in the Bible whose life is transformed by wilderness experience, it's them simply getting alone with God, getting in a place where they have to rely on him. They're not connected they're, they're not uh, listening to a ton of, they're just them and the Lord. It's a time of prayer. It's a time of being in the word. And it's a time of being in the presence of God. The number one thing that my role in this job, and this is something that took years to figure out, is y'all don't necessarily want a pastor who just preaches good. You don't want a pastor who plans well. You want to come here because you, you trust in some way that I've spent time in the presence of God, that I've been with God. And the same job that I have is the same job that you have. What people need in this world is not a whole bunch of people who have read the Bible and have planned some godly steps. They need people who have gotten alone with God and have spent time in the presence of God. And they fundamentally live their life different. When we think about the, the temptation of, of Jesus in the, in the wilderness, he goes there because he knows it's going to be hard. He goes there because he knows he's going to be away from everything that he wants to do. He, he, he knows that it, there's a chance it's going to be boring and he's going to have to trust God. He knows that it's going to be a chance that he didn't have any water and he's going to have to trust God. He knows that there's going to be a chance that food doesn't show up. In fact, Luke tells us he was with, in the wilderness with the wild animals. He knows it's going to be hard, but yet he follows God into the wilderness because that's where we are shaped by God. There are some of us right now who you would, you would describe your presence right now, the place you are in life, is, man, I feel like I'm being tested. I feel like I'm being tempted. I feel like I'm, I'm out in the wilderness, but all you're doing is trying to fix your own solution. You're trying to make it happen, and at no point have you thought, you know, what if I just stopped? What if I just stopped and prayed, and I just waited on God to renew my peace, rather than trying to fix everything in my life? What if I just trusted God in this moment? Because the wilderness is a place of purpose. It is a place of purification. It is where God teaches us how to rely on him and not ourselves. But the wilderness is disappearing. You have to now create the wilderness in your life. Jesus created it on every walk he went on. Every morning he got up, he went alone into the garden. He went alone to the mountaintop. He went alone so that he could be in the presence of God. Not to plan his day, but to plan his presence with God. The third thing I want you to see is that the wilderness is a place of promise. It's a place of promise. See, the devil tempts Jesus, and he tempts him by his, his weakest link, so to speak. He's hungry. He hadn't eaten in 40 days. And so he says, listen, you can fix this. Turn this stone to bread. 
And the first thing that Jesus does is not say that's a great idea and make himself a sandwich. The first thing that he does is he quotes a promise of God. He says, It is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He could have fixed the situation, but he said, you know what? In this moment, I'm going to trust the promise of God. God will sustain me even longer than this bread could sustain me. And he's going to trust that. And in fact, in just a few verses, this is a, 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 there's a passage that I've quoted three times in three different situations this week. In fact, if you want to be the person who can fix almost any situation at work, if you'll memorize, you don't even have to memorize it, just kind of get the gist of this passage and then tell your people this, they'll always look at you like, you're the, you're the most wise biblical scholar I've ever seen. Because this next passage, that in the, he's going to go preach a sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 25, I'm just going to read you what Jesus says. And it's exactly this point. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body or what you will wear. Isn't there more to life than food and more to life than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. Do they not sow or reap or gather? They do not sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable than they? And which of you, by worrying, can add even one hour to his life? Why do you worry about clothing? Think about the flowers of the fields. They do not work or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed like one of these. And this is how God clothes the wild, if this is how God clothes the wild grass, which is here today and tomorrow is tossed into the fire to heat the oven, won't he clothe you even more? You people of little faith, don't worry about what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. For the unconverted pursue these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. Above all, pursue his kingdom. I'm telling you. If you can just tell at any time somebody comes in, I'm worried about the, hey, go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. And I promise you, because Jesus, when he's preaching this, this isn't just something he thought of. I'm telling you, this is something he experienced in the wilderness. He got alone. He was hungry. And he thought for a moment when he was in this temptation, well, maybe I should just go and figure out what I'm going to eat. And so when he preaches this, he's preaching from a place where he's been in the presence of God. Some of you have been in a place where you've seen God sustain you when, when you didn't think he would. And just being in that wilderness, coming out of it, is something that you can proclaim to people. God has promises. When you're in the wilderness, you're in a place where maybe you could try to fix it. But it's so much easier to rest on the promises of God. God has promised you many things. God has promised you that he will never leave you or forsake you. God has promised you, not that he'll give you a mansion, but he did promise you that he will give you your daily bread, that he will make sure that you have a, a place to live, that you will have a place to be. There are so many promises that God has for you right now, and instead of you trying to fix your own place, understand when you're in the wilderness, the wilderness is a place of promise. It's a place where God will put you to where you'll eventually get to a place where you'll say, you know what, I can't fix this. God, I'm going to trust you to reveal yourself in your promises. Now, as I was thinking about this, I, was, I just kept coming back to this idea of, man, so many of us fear boredom. We fear being disconnected so much now that we have shut off one of the main ways that God speaks to us. God speaks to you in the wilderness, and the wilderness does not have to be a 40-day journey into the desert, okay? The wilderness could be what you do tomorrow morning. 
The wilderness could be what you do on your lunch break tomorrow afternoon. The wilderness could be how you spend your evening. The wilderness is up to you to shape because the wilderness as a place is disappearing. And in fact, I will tell you, if you're like me, you spend most of your time in the future. I spend most of my th- time thinking about this week, about what's going to happen tomorrow, what I'm going to do, and, and how you know, I'm going to plan my week. And, but for me, the one thing that I'm, I'm learning is that if I want to shape my future, the best thing I can do is get in the wilderness and be in the present because God's presence is only in the present. You need to understand that God's presence is only in the present. It is not in your past. Some of us spend our entire life in our past. And we miss God. If you get alone with God this week, and you may take your Bible and read some of those promises, but I'm going to tell you, get alone with God simply to pray, simply to experience the presence of God, the promises of God. And if you're being tested, I want you to, to, to give thanks to God for his promises, his provision. How many of you, when you go out to eat after this, maybe you're going to say thank you? Any of y'all actually say grace before you have a meal? How many of y'all actually, though, when you pray, Lord, thank us for this daily bread, you're actually thankful. Man, God, I get to eat again. Thank you so much for showing up again, for your promise being fulfilled again. How many of us sincerely enter into the presence of God when we're praying to his presence? for his presence. I'm going to challenge us this week. Shape your future by going in to the wilderness. Find a time this week where you're going to disconnect from your phone. You're going to disconnect. And if you say, I can't, there's no way, I've got things i got to do, I'm going to challenge you. That's exactly the moment that you're going to be called into the wilderness. Get alone with God this week. Spend some time in his word, yes, but more so praying with an attitude of, of, of testing, with an attitude of, God, whatever I'm going through right now, you're shaping me. You're doing this. You're in this, and, and, and I'm going to rely on you to get me through this. Don't spend it thinking about what you should be doing. Simply call on God to enter in to whatever it is that you're facing. Because I, I believe this more than anything in this world right now is that if you really want to get through tomorrow, you're going to have to have God's presence today. Let's pray. Lord, you're moving in the the lives of so many of us in this church. But it's not because we have a great preacher. It's not because we have great gear. It's not because we are just awesome people. Lord, it's because your presence is here. There's not one person in this room that is perfect. There's not one person that this week went through life without making a mistake, without turning away from you in some way. But Lord, what we want to mark this church is that any time we seek to shape our future, we get on our knees and we call for our Savior. And that is who you are, and that is who, what you have done in this church. And so we thank you for the lives that you are changing in this church. Lord, we thank you for the faces that may be new here today. And maybe there's some of us here that feel like we're in the wilderness, and we're trying to figure it out on our own. If nothing else today, I pray that you reveal that a wilderness is not a place where we have to plan. It's a place where we just have to meet with you. So, Lord, let us be people who never go a day 
without the presence of our Savior. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.